welcome to Talk with Teddy. Thanks for joining us, friends. As an avid writer, a registered nurse, a nutritionist, an educator, and chronic illness sufferer, it's been so fun to start this podcast. I really hope that it has brought you the connection and the inspiration that you need to carry on in your own creative ways and becoming your best selves. Mountain Movers are a high quality, highly reliable moving company who offer to assist you with all of your relocation needs. Find out more and request a discount by contacting our good friend and owner, Jeff Gilbert. Email him at mountainmovers at mail.org and tell him Teddy sent you. I'm sure he'll give you a discount. Hey, everybody. Hope you're having a fabulous day. I... I'm really excited to chat with the person that I'm bringing on the line today. Now, her name is Sarah, so I already love her because technically that's my name as well. So she also suffers from POTS, the Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, which I have. And so I'm a part of this support group on one of my social media platforms and I found her through there kind of just by accident through happenstance and I just connected with her uh, on a different level and we have something other than this POTS uh, syndrome in common and that is that we both are very musical people and it's also that we both don't allow our chronic illness to define who we are. Now, a little bit about Sarah. She lives in Australia and she has been given the Australian Disability Insurgent Scheme or NDIS. And I believe that that is um, government funding. And because of that, she's able to live her dream of writing, touring and performing in her own show. So Sarah has created a brand new format for musicals so that people of all abilities can perform and even be a lead character. And they are going on their first tour next year. So I just found that so fascinating and I absolutely love hearing more about stories of people that suffer from chronic illnesses, but they don't let that get them down or hold them back from pursuing their dreams. And it sounds like that is something that she has done and that is why I wanted to interview her on this Looking Outward series um, because she's doing it man she's she's living her dream and she's making it possible for anybody with any physical limitations to be a part of a musical performance and that's really cool um I was in musicals as a child I was eight years old and I was the lead um in a 
play put on by my church community called Saturday's Warrior. I was in another musical where I was Hava in Fiddler on the Roof, and I was um, a backup dancer in another musical called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I love musicals. One of the reasons I had a passion for playing the piano was so that I could learn all of the music to Les Mis or Les Miserables, which is one of my favorite musicals. So I'm just really excited to talk more with Sarah, um, kind of about her amazing idea. And maybe hopefully one day we'll even be able to do this sort of thing in Canada. So without further ado, let me grab Sarah. Hello. Hi. How are you, Sarah? Oh, not too bad, thanks. I'm so grateful you were able to join me today on the podcast. I don't even know oh. what time it is for you right now. Oh, it's 8 a.m. You're an early riser. I've always been early to bed, early to rise, and then I started living life, and you know, you can't get to bed so early, and um, that, oh, that wrecked, that just wrecked me for a while, but... um. You seriously do feel better when you wake up earlier. I know like some nights I don't sleep well because I get chronic migraines and I wake up in the morning or I get up in the morning at like 5.30 with so much energy and it makes no sense, but I just feel better. (laughs) I was reading an interesting article about how we're actually not meant to sleep all night and be up all day and that if you look at ancient history that that's not what they did and that they slept for shorter bursts so that they were active and sleeping during the day and night so um which was an interesting read and and they, they were saying that at some point we decided that working all day and sleeping all night was the best way to go about it and that our bodies were retrained to do that I actually love hearing that because I feel like I do that, especially now with this pandemic really hitting Canada, where I'm at. I have a weird sleep cycle. And especially with this weird weather, we've had a lot of rain. We had a crazy hailstorm that did more damage in our city than probably ever before. Like my neighbor's car got all the windows got completely smashed in and it was completely dented by this crazy hail. And that really affects my head. And so I find I just kind of go with it. Like if I'm awake, then I'll get stuff done in the middle of the night, usually from my bed, like on my phone or my laptop or something, Um, or I'll listen to podcasts or whatever in my earphones. So I'm not disturbing the rest of my family. And then during the day, that just means cool. That means I get to have a nap in the afternoon. Yeah, I know you do. I mean, one, one of the wisest things my mother ever taught me was never fight. Don't, you know, um, and that can be a number of things. So, you know, I I was fighting to get answers because I didn't know what was wrong with my body. Um, and then, um, but I was, but you do that for so many years. Um, it, it really starts to make you bitter, you know. And uh, or she was saying, yeah, get answers, um, learn about yourself, but don't fight for a, a, a cause if they don't have one. Don't fight for a cure. Don't fight for those things. Just get the information you need and don't fight. And, um, you know, with my friend, she's saying one of my, one of, they've both married losers. 
and um, getting overwhelmed, making themselves miserable, blah, blah, blah. Well, like, don't fight it. They're going to be teenagers for the rest of their lives. Um, women around the world, every culture, every language knows this story. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love, I love but, that you're, sorry, go ahead. We have a bit of a lag, well, I think. Yeah. I just, oh, I, no, no, I stopped because my alarm went off. I said to her, he stole your husband. So uh, it, within the marriage itself, work together. But in regards to life and getting things done and living life, nah, don't let him, don't let him affect you because we as women don't deserve that. If you need to tell him to do something and, you know, use authority with him, well, if he chooses to be a teenager, then that's what you do. And forget about what he thinks and feels about it because who cares? He doesn't care about you. <laughs> it's so tricky. I've I've personally been through a divorce as well. And it's it's yeah. really tricky kind of navigating relationships and finding one that works well for you and one that um, makes you want to be the best version of yourself and, and one that you can support in doing that for them as well. But they really do have to be self-motivated to do it. I totally hear well, you there. You really hit the nail on the head there. Um, everyone tends to get this list and they get this type. No, I don't agree with that. I um, And also the definition of love needs to change. Um, so, and you hit the nail on the head. Be with somebody where you both, um, what was the phrasing I used to use? Because I'm not dating and I'm not ever going to do that again. I've been in therapy twice for PTSD um, I'm not uh, being around men and doing all of that sets it off, even if they're lovely. Oh, I'm um, sorry but, to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad you're going to therapy, though. I'm a huge advocate for that. Look, again, it's got to be the right time and the right therapy. Uh, most of the people are not trained properly. And if, you, if you're not at a particular point in your journey, then therapy's not going to work because the therapists go about it all wrong. They're not trained correctly, thanks to Freud. But anyway, yeah, so... I hear you. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, tell us more about you. Like I, I know just what you've sent me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> okay, so um, basically, I um, am a musician. So I'm a singer and a pianist. I had to sell my flute because my body was just never really up for the flute. It takes an exorbitant amount of energy. Like it's just. Oh, yeah, the air control? Oh, my goodness. Well, most of the air that you're blowing uh, blowing out is not going into the instrument. Most of it's going out of the instrument. Right. So the is even more exhausting than others because of that. Um, and that's not something that my body can handle. Um, and therefore, it makes it too harsh a sound. Um, and I've got to the point now where it'll make me pretty much get dizzy and pass out. So that's sold. <laughs> yeah, but not not going to do that. Ironically, the piccolo is fine. Oh, which, interesting. Maybe because it's smaller. I, well, I thought that it would have been the other way around because the embouchure for the piccolo is so small that um, you can get mouth cramps and stuff when you're learning it. And if you don't play it regularly, um, it just there's a lot more effort um, because of the really small embouchure. But then it does make sense in the fact that the flute is so much longer, as you said, um, that a lot more air is required to get down to the bottom of it. So, oh, yeah, interesting. so still, hello. 
Cool. Um, and we do have uh, five of the six recorders, which my sister and I, we used to do some gigs actually on those recorders, the Shakespeare Company, uh, Medieval Weddings um, and stuff like that, which was um, so much fun. That's amazing. Uh, so when you say recorder, I'm sure it's the same recorder that I'm thinking of that we actually learn in elementary school how to play it in music class. Like same, correct. same, same style as a flute, right? That you blow into, but you blow into it straight. Is yeah, that correct. what you the consider? Woodwind. Yeah. Yes, it's a woodwind yes. instrument. People oh, cool. have of the history of the recorder it's the most amazing instrument and depending on what type of wood it's made out of depends on what sound it is so we've got two different woods we've got pear wood which is the cheapest which is why you initially go for it they're very very expensive um so yeah the pear wood though has got a really haunting quality to the sound which i absolutely love and then we've got a, a different wood altogether that's got a brighter chirpier sound um so i mean if you if you're rich then you can buy you know that's crazy because like living in canada if you're a parent or if you went to elementary school here grades like one to four you learn how to play the recorder and you lend them all out to all of the kids so any parents out there listening would know exactly what a recorder is but it's a very like high-pitched chirpy sound in my opinion well it depends on which recorder though the other thing that people don't realize is is that there are six instruments and um um in families so you have six flutes six recorders six clarinets and six of everything even trumpets there's a piccolo trumpet it is so adorable i feel Um, like i've seen those oh my husband is actually um he's doing his doctoral degree right now in um, education in music and he's been in the past a a music director at a junior high school before so he would come back and tell me all the the funny stories about instruments from his band classes and stuff funny yeah he'd have some funny stories I'm sure (laughs) oh yeah oh yes I'm glad he's not currently a band teacher in this whole pandemic situation what is happening with your guys's pandemic system you have to tell us where you're from I know where you're from but our listeners don't even know where you're living (laughs) so first Um, tell me where you're living and tell me more about your health stuff and then I want to hear about how the pandemic is over there um I live in Queensland Australia so it's pretty much the whole east top corner, the northeast corner of the of the continent, um, which and of course with Australia people don't realise that we're pretty much just a coast a coastal country because the interior is is just huge deserts. It's yes. just yes. all desert. And I've been to Queensland uh, and it is beautiful, beautiful. I've oh, been to the yeah, Gold Coast. It's just I loved it. I would love to go back someday. I'm an hour from the Gold Coast. So. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. I mean, we, um, our government did sort of shut the country down pretty quickly. Um, unlike other countries who didn't know really what was going on, we had that, we had that time to realise, oh, this is going to be bad. We need to act quickly, which our government did. Good. And so, um, the Queensland border, while other borders have opened up, the Queensland border still is closed. Um, and our poor premier has been bullied by the other premiers to open up the borders already, but they still have sick people and we're doing very well. Good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have heard, like I have friends that have moved to Australia and 
I've heard that they're still in school and everything there, where that's very different from where we are. No, the schools did end up closing down. Okay, okay. Um, not in every state, though. I think just the the, the states along the east. Okay. Um, closed down from what I don't think I didn't hear of Western Australia closed the schools down. I heard about um, Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria did. But see, again, with with the borders open and stuff, that, that yeah, it was just tricky. Um, they probably could have closed the borders sooner. But um, oh, look, yeah, there was just, people are carrying on about our. Oh, um, you've heard all the all the stupid stuff people were saying without really finding anything out. One lady even said to me that because I said, "Well, we don't really know this virus. We don't know what we're dealing with." So exactly, um, uh, the government's doing the right thing, and she's carrying on. Yes, we do, and um, and then she's carrying on about how we they should have a um, make a vaccine for pneumonia, not for the virus, since the virus is all you know is not what's killing the people. Well, actually, it's not just pneumonia killing everybody. Um, no, you know, the more research they're doing, thing. they're finding out that it's like a vas- it can be a vascular thing as well, which terrifies right. me because I have a vascular. Um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome so I'm like oh great right Right, exactly but But there's so many opinions out there like just so many opinions and it's been interesting it was only about two weeks after this comment was made that we're finding out more started to find out more stuff like it's causing heart attacks in children strokes in young adults exactly so it seems that every generation every age group was being affected differently maybe depending on what you know stage of life you're right your body is different in many ways absolutely um, and I hope you're staying safe and staying healthy with all of all of this going on and one of the really lucky ones um my support worker who is actually also my best friend I'm very lucky Um, I'm her only client um so she continued to come and help me because I'm her only client um the lady who was coming around to clean my house once a week um they both work for the same service provider um yeah service provider told me that she um is not going to go to anyone else during the duration of isolation and the you know the pandemic that she'll just come to me um so that's um, so great that's so great yeah I, I We've all been affected. I've lost music students. The bulk of them, um, they weren't even interested in giving online lessons. They go, I've done online lessons before. It's not like it was brand new to me. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, they um, they were quite adverse to the idea. Wouldn't even give it a go. And I think, come on, people, just give it a go. I'm not going to be angry if you still decide it's not for you. But give it a go because it gives you information. And I'm a big, I'm a huge believer in Give everything a go that's presented to you because yeah. even if you know from the get-go it's not really for you, if you have the opportunity and it's not going to cause you any issues, get, just do it anyway because you learn so much. I love you your learn- mentality. And I that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast because you have that mentality and I have that mentality. I love it. It serves you well, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, and it makes life more fun and enjoyable, right? Well, especially when you feel like you can be a part of something bigger than yourself and and try something that's never been done before, because why not? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I've been pretty lucky with that. Um, So my support worker, she actually came to me a number of years ago for piano lessons. 
and um, we just clicked instantly. We were just best friends. Um, and she was actually the first friend I've had in my life. Um, um, I, yeah, I was probably around 38, 30, 38 when she came to me. Um, yeah, because growing up, nobody knew anything. They didn't really understand autism, let alone that it is a spectrum. Um, yeah, and- you have to tell me more about your health background because I'm, I'm not even aware of all of this. If you're yeah, comfortable, um, only if you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we didn't know about that. We didn't, uh, and of course they, they really didn't understand POTS or EDS, um, which turns out my whole family, like we've, we've got all three of them in some form to some degree. Um, so, um, which started with my mother, I was doing some reading because again, you can't really go to doctors so you have to be your own advocate absolutely you've got to do your own reading you've got to figure it all out for yourself Um, so I'm the oldest of four girls we're all very close in in age um we grew up with my mother saying things like I'm not like other mothers um I don't I get worse every day um you can't expect the same things from me um uh, other times she would say things like I wish I had cancer because people know what that is everyone expected way too much from her she looked fine on the outside but in she seriously wasn't coping seriously wasn't coping and then she ended up having a 15-year nervous breakdown because she also had trauma from an abusive childhood as well and um so she had all of that trauma which would have made the EDS so much worse oh that's awful you know, um, I don't know what she's, I don't know if she's got EDS and POTS or whatever. I know with my son and I, uh, the we've, we've got both, but for us, it's the POTS that is way worse. Yes. It affects us way more yeah. than the EDS. Um, where, so with my mother, I think it would be the exact same thing. I uh, And so in my reading, um, I've determined that she's the first one. Um, to have the gene mutation there's clearly a a um what's the word I'm after predisposition mm-hmm. of some kind um in the genes because one of her sisters has got the blood disorder that is comorbid a common comorbid condition yep. along with EDS and she also has um a bit of scoliosis although I don't know um the nature of her scoliosis it might just be the slight normal one that the bulk of the population have I don't really know so I can't say but she does have that blood disorder and um so um with the terrible abuse that mum suffered um that that trauma was enough to mutate the gene wow and so it's become genetic and now we all have it um, the grandkids, I know the older ones both have EDS and POTS. Um, the youngest ones, my baby sister's kids, they're only very little still, but um, you, they, they, they have ASD, they have ASD as well. Yeah. Um, which is very common, very, very common, because of course with the EDS family, because EDS affects the gut, it makes the gut sluggish, it does all of this stuff to the gut. And so, therefore, since the gut is where the serotonin is, not in the brain, it's in the gut. Yep, totally. Um, where your immune system is. So, if the gut's sluggish, if it can't work properly, then you're going to get autism symptoms and things like that. 
um, if there's also a predisposition for that, which there is in our family. We've got autism on both sides. Yeah. So we already had all that predisposition to autism and then we've got all of this as well. But that's a whole other subject about how common autism is because of how the gut is affected. And we know that it's the gut that causes it um, for a lot of people. There was a study a, a number of years ago now where they they had a theory that when we eat food, the act of digesting creates a toxin. And in healthy people, the body deals with that toxin. I used to know all the exact details and I just really don't remember. But with autistic people, the body doesn't deal with the toxins. So we actually poison ourselves. We get poisoned when we eat. And um, so to test this, they actually did take some um, classic autistic children and um, with the parental permission gave them a drug that would eliminate the toxins from the body and they became completely normal no sign of autism wow which is really interesting so I'm not going to speak for everybody who is autistic um, but I know that it is quite a common um, occurrence in the EDS um, community and the gut they found that you know the gut really does control pretty much everything so yeah it's just it's interesting so well the gut um, controls a lot of health issues like that really is where things stem from I actually did a podcast episode a few weeks back on gut health and it's just amazing how much of an impact your gut health has on the rest of your health yes and when they've talked about early on when they started talking about the the gut-brain connection, it's way more um, intense and stronger than they actually originally realised. There's so much going on there. Oh, definitely. So, yes, it turns out that um, we all have the, um, the EDS and the POTS. Even my baby sister's little kids have got hypermobility, the way that their, their thumbs flex back and yes, things like that. Yep. Um, so do you have the hypermobility it. type of, pot of EDS? We all have hypermobility type okay correct. okay which of course I wouldn't want the vascular one um <laughs> <laughs> I was the lucky one that got that one oh, I think I have both I, I have hypermobility more so the vascular but I'm like you in that the pots is where most of my symptoms come from other than my chronic migraines because I do have some vascular anomalies in my brain um, that cause chronic migraines and that's why weather really affects right. me and things like that but but by the sounds I of it, wondered about that though, because yeah. uh, POTS obviously causes vascular issues, um, and they're like the the vaso, um, what are they, vaso um, spasms and things like that in the brain. Yep. Yeah, vasovagal spasms and things. So it's all. Um, I, again, I've had to do reading up on that. Basically, what I did was I just searched for an invisible disability group on Facebook because that's all I really I will, I, nothing. I will include you in mine. I actually created a social support group for silent sufferers on Facebook. I'm going to have to add you to this after our call here because it was hard <laughs> to talk about our chronic illnesses with people that don't see it because it's so invisible. And I'm very good yeah. at kind of um, acting like everything is fine. I don't usually talk about it because I feel like people wouldn't really believe me. I'm just now starting to be more open and more vulnerable, um, especially with this podcast. I find it's a 
it's a good gateway yeah. and it's a good way to kind of bring more awareness that there are people out there suffering that you really have no idea and it's just I well, find so much in, in, in uh, inspiration from people like you um, that that have have gone on and kind of pursued this amazing idea and I, it's just so exciting <laughs> Well, it's not just that, you know, that people won't understand. Uh, most people will be polite about it, if, you know, give them a, a, a chance. But um, it's not that they don't understand. It's also that you want to enjoy the life that you have. If you're constantly talking about it or thinking about it, um, then that takes away the, the opportunity to enjoy your life. Definitely. Your life um yeah it's there's that as well and that's exhausting one of the reasons I stopped going to places like church and you know groups where you want to be is because when there's quite a lot of people in an organization or a group that you're attending um then you can't just up front say okay da 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 and then people know and then it's just an occasional thing that you've got to say you know let give them information about um it's every single week without fail yeah um, you're having to um advocate for yourself um because when something is so far out of somebody's comprehension range yeah um, no it's not their fault there's no like pots (laughs) yeah yes for lots of people yeah it's, it's hard to understand you can explain connective tissue disorders and like oh okay right yeah yeah my body can't hold itself up which it can't um yeah. but when you start to explain pots it's um it's so far out of that um comprehension range yeah that they stare at you uh, and they go really silent and they, they just blank out yeah um, i just say I, i'm sorry i can't stand still or i'll pass out i have to either sit down or i have to keep moving <laughs> and they're like oh the, well, okay. My, yeah, my issue was that somebody kept turning the air conditioner off at a certain oh, no. time of the meeting, and I was passing out. And um, I have seizures when I pass out. Nobody wants that. So I'm already in a Tilton Space power chair. So I'm already in. Uh, Potts has already put me in a, a wheelchair. Um, but then we're in this small room. So after our in after our service we have the the option of staying for um groups and the men and the the women get out have a special class where they can split up and spend that time together which is i think wonderful and if so of course i wanted to do that but it was when our sisters were together somebody kept turning the air conditioner off and i just thought i'm not the only one with chronic illness in the room i know for a fact i'm not I'm not the only one suffering, um, yes. but only one who's asking. I'm the only one willing to actually just ask. Good. And so what happens is because it's the it's the minority who, um, ha, uh, you know, will put themselves out there and ask, um, no matter how respectful or polite you are, you sort of get seen as, you, you can get told, well, no one else has a problem. <laughs> When you know that that's not true, it's just that no one else, I think everyone else is too scared to say something. No one else is used to having to advocate for themselves as much as you have had to advocate for yourself and your own health. Yes. So while they have some issues, I've found that with my family, with trauma in the background, um, 
and with so you know the the uh, trauma from abuse and then also the physical trauma we have as you said had to advocate a lot more intently and um in our whole lives even without knowing what was going on and these people do know what's going on for them and so yeah but I also find that fear rules the world and that's the unfortunate part because that's not where we find our freedom it's yeah. not where we find the the human connection that we also desperately need yeah yeah it's not where it also shuts down a healthy relationship with our own selves absolutely read that which I totally agree with um whatever word you want to substitute god for i once read that if you were the only person on the planet you would still have two relationships to nurture and keep healthy the one with yourself and the one with the ultimate power yeah out in the universe and um, I thought that is so true and it completely shifted how I saw things and how I saw life. I love that. So tell me kind of what got you started in your current uh, endeavor. Right. Well, um, I, I, um, I'm being very mysterious. Like, Nobody knows what this endeavor is yet either. <laughs> they really don't. They really don't. Um, ever since I can remember, I'm pretty sure I was born playing the piano and singing. Uh, Love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, my dad had this little spinet organ and I remember seeing it and desperately, like I was about four or five, desperately wanting to play it. But unlike other kids, I would just go, oh, I'm going to make noise. I, um, I never went near it because I knew I didn't know how to play it properly and I wanted, there was no way I was going to touch it unless I knew but I never said anything to my parents one of the things with autism was it didn't a lot of things didn't dawn on me like it didn't dawn on me to say a number of things um in my mind oh I don't know how so I won't um interesting <laughs> so yeah um and then being the oldest and my mother um desperately wanted one of her kids to learn piano being the oldest, I was the first one she approached uh, and uh, I was six at the time and I asked her, mum, what's a piano? She lit up and she said, oh, come with me and I'll show you. And she took me to a piano showroom um, and as soon as I saw them, I lit up. And I went, yes, yes, yes. And I was just jumping up and down for joy. And so, yeah, I started piano lessons when I was um, – newly six and um it was fantastic I remember in grade one so I started grade one the year I turned seven and um so in grade one it was coming towards the end of the school year and they were planning the end of year concert uh and they don't normally involve the junior school because they're so little but a teacher was knocking on the door of every classroom asking if anybody can do anything and I just shot my hand up <laughs> love it I don't started playing piano march that year and um I said yeah yeah I can play piano so they they asked me if I wanted to play in the concert oh I yes definitely loved so I they got me to do a little audition and um so I got to play a piano solo and also my class sang and one of the songs in my book and I accompanied them. So I guess Oh, that's so say, special. Accompanying since I was six. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely had the bug for performing 
um, from that moment on. Um, but then there are a lot of a lot of things that we were dealing with, a lot of things that we were facing, and piano was my voice. Again, we didn't know about autism. Piano was my voice. I never had the words. I just didn't know. I didn't understand what I was feeling or what I was thinking, let alone anybody else. Let alone expressing it. Yeah. Correct. I couldn't express it because I hadn't, I didn't have any understanding. Um, So music became my voice. I could, and let's face it, um, language, the written word, it is limited. Whereas music is the one language, not only is it understood by every race, but it's the only language that can actually express everything to the tiniest, tiniest little yes. detail. Um, and so when I was eight, I got an intense desire to compose. Um, I had no help, of course, so it's not something I really pursued at that time, but I definitely got a strong desire to compose at eight because of how well music expressed everything. And so, um, again, in the 80s, you didn't really... music. Private music lessons were pretty much across the board the same. You did an exam and right. every year. You were only taught those six exam pieces. That was it. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't being taught, you know, I wasn't being taught the way that you meant to. I wasn't taught proper technique. I wasn't taught. You and my husband um, would have a great discussion because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to change the way music is taught in schools. Yes. (laughs) Because it isn't taught the right way. And it is very different now in schools as well. Like I just had private lessons, but in schools growing up, we had a music teacher who stayed in the school. Um, Whereas nowadays, I don't know about Canada, but in Australia, they don't have that anymore. The music teachers have been taken out of schools. And now what we have are music teachers who travel to a different school every day they don't get the oh, same music education at all yeah they stay it's, in schools and- here but their their um their position is getting cut hours more and more as our government is yeah. making our funding disappear slowly in education but another interesting yeah. thing about what my husband is trying to do is he is trying to make music more accessible to people that are on the autism spectrum or have physical um, limitations and things that can't play a tuba. So it's just very interesting that you guys are both kind of along the same wavelength. You guys will have to chat (laughs) sometime. (laughs) Oh, I'd love that. That would be fantastic sharing stories. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so, um, so that kind of got your music bug in. You got the music bug. You love composing. And then comes along this uh, chronic illness, which kind of limits your physical capabilities. Well, I didn't actually get a diagnosis till 2016 um, because, again, I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up. Well, you know, it's so funny. I saw a meme recently that said, I told my child that I'm older than Google and they laughed. But it's yeah. true. Oh, <laughs> me too. Totally. We didn't grow up with the Google to give <laughs> Totally not. That's right. That's right. So um, it wasn't until 2016 that I, I joined uh, an invisibility 
uh, an invisible disability group on Facebook just to read what everyone was talking about to see if I noticed similarities and and I did that for months and that's how I came across my diagnosis Um, and that's how I found what doctor to go to and it went from there but um, and then I relied on support groups because only people with these conditions can really educate each other doctors really don't get absolutely. it absolutely but anyway yeah well it's funny because so, so yeah, many people right was... now are like social media is so negative and I'm thinking I, I love it though because no, no. I have my POTS group I have my EDS group I have my vascular EDS group I have my invisible illness group like I need that connection in my life so I have absolutely nothing without social media I made every mistake under the sun when I first got Facebook when I first got on but um, if you look, because, and it was still fairly new, but if you know how to use it wisely, it is an amazing Absolutely. tool. Absolutely. It's there and to uplift and inspire and support one another. Exactly. If it weren't for Facebook, not only would I not have a diagnosis, but neither would my family and our children. Can you imagine our children suffering the way that we yes, did exactly. when they shouldn't have I know food. I'm watching my daughter closely I know she's got the hypermobile EDS and I'm terif- yeah. terrified to get her tested for the vascular but I mean if that's really what oh, I have I'm I sure guess. she's got it too poor girl I but I mean at baby. least we know and and we have these groups that we can connect to look I'm sorry but when you get these mothers in these groups and they're their children got diagnosed with autism from young or with something from young and then they carry on. I, you want to know how hard it is when you don't know what's up with your yes, child? Yes, exactly. Then you tell me. Then you tell me how hard life yeah. is. Yes, it's difficult. I'm not saying it's not difficult. But you have answers. But you don't even know what hard is when you don't have any knowledge at all and the world expects things from you and your child, your whole family, that you can't deliver on, you have no answers for them. That that is traumatic. Okay, what you've Absolutely. got is hard. What we're going through, what we went through, was traumatic. So don't even get started. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get PTSD from all the doctor's appointments and people not believing Correct. you and things like that. It's awful. Correct. So then, in my twenties, I would—that's um, when I started to teach myself how to compose. Um, I desperately wanted to go to uni, but. Um, yeah, that was never going to happen because I didn't have that knowledge. So I didn't know how to go about managing university. And to be honest, the PTSD would have prevented me even if I had the right physical help. So um, I would write music, piano solos, because, again, I didn't have words. And I would get mum to visit and I would play them for her and I'd ask her to tell me what she heard in the music. And she always, because my mother's amazing, she's so in tune with life and with human beings and people, she'd always hit the nail on the head. And that would give me the words of oh, I love that. experiencing what I was going through. Once I, once I understood what I was thinking and feeling and why, then it didn't bother me anymore. And this is what, you know, a huge once message. Once you could is, label it. Knowledge is power. We suffer so much due to lack of knowledge. Yes. Um, You know, the rest of it's just living life. But without knowledge, you know, it is power. That is so true. Yes. People always apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. And honestly, now that I have answers for what I have, I I, and are going through. Yes. But 
it's good to just have those answers and that closure so that I can just be like, okay, that's what it is, carrying on. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And you can you can actually finish the grieving process because without that knowledge, you're constantly grieving your entire life. And who wants that? You can complete that grieving process and move yes, on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Tell me more. So, yes, that's how my composing started. So um, my sister, who is 18 months younger than me, um, she was born acting. So she is amazingly talented as an actress and a director. Okay. She's a, a brilliant director. And um, so we, we grew up in the arts together. We're the two oldest. We grew up in the arts together. And from young, we always dreamed of doing shows together one day. And, of course, life and genetics have other Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so that is now becoming a reality thanks to um, the new um, what we call NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. It's the new scheme to help people with disabilities. So because it's new, there's been a lot of issues. I won't lie, a lot of I'm guessing it's going to be like a long-term a disability benefit that you get some sort of a... Um, government funding is that correct okay yes correct so I've taken away the 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 normal government funding and it's now a, a completely different system it's very different um, there are still a lot of issues um, we're having yeah there are some really uh, we've just actually had a royal commission on uh, abuse uh, with the, to those who are disabled, um, and there, I guess there'll always be those issues. But there are many different types of issues because it is still new. So um, I just hope that the government does listen, and there are improvements made. They've already made some improvements, which have made a huge difference for those who are already on the scheme. But um, it's getting people on the scheme in the first place. Yes. You need an who knows what they're doing this it's been set up so cleverly that most people are denied and then the government are bragging to the nation that they've spent way less money on the scheme than they had um budgeted for yeah because you're denying many most people right yeah <laughs> but um but that we um we are becoming included in and those who have become included in are spreading the word i've gotten on to um support groups okay everyone this is how you what do a it. blessing that um, you've been accepted for that and that you have that I absolutely love that it is an absolute blessing so now that I've got um access to this funding I'm actually living life for the first time in my entire life and um I I've, I'm 41 now I'll be 42 this year and I, I said to my mother they say that life begins at 40 and for me it truly has yep so um, uh, what that's done is if you know how to do the planning, like you can get it, but then you've got to do the planning meeting. And if you don't really understand what how the NDIS has worked, works and how it's um, used, then that planning meeting doesn't get happen properly and then you still, even though the funding is there, you're still not getting your needs met. And this is the message that we, we're trying to educate people um, in the disability community and the advocacy community as well. So um, fortunately for me, what had happened, well, I had an advocate, third time lucky, first two times I applied by myself. I was never going to get it by myself. 
third time I had an advocate. So other states do not have this, but Queensland has Queensland People Disabilities Network. Uh, they are a huge advocating um, advocacy uh, organisation. Oh, that's great. But they great. also have local support groups where we meet once a month and we have a guest speaker to give us information about things and then we spend an hour just chatting and catching up over some lunch. Awesome. So um, I found, and that's where I got my advocate from, and I've been very blessed being in that group, but I found them through the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> so um, we were having the torch relay parade and it was coming through the city and I was sort of following it because I'm in a power chair. I can sort of get from one location to the other quickly. Everybody just moves out of your way and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I, they didn't just have athletes, um, Paralympians. Oh, no. It must, yes, we had Paralympian, Paralympians. I was thinking it was the Commonwealth Games, but yes, anyway. They didn't just have the disabled um, athletes carrying the torch. There was also um, uh, somebody else from our community was cerebral palsy who has not competed. He's not an athlete himself, but he's such a huge influence in the community that he also had a stint of carrying the torch. And I, of course, wanted a photo with them all. And it was when I had the photo with them uh, that uh, Peter, because he wasn't an athlete, and he's used to being an advocate. He struck up a conversation with me, and that's when I just let it all go. And I'm, like, I'm so alone. I've always been so alone. I've always been so isolated, and um, blah blah blah. And these are the issues. And he said, uh, "Well, actually, I run the QDM local support group here, and so uh, that's how I found that." And again. You know, if there's a message I want to give to everyone, I don't care who they are, everyone in the world, is speak up. Don't be afraid. All I did was have a basic conversation with this man. I'm not afraid of what comes out of my mouth because there's no need to fear the truth. The truth is what leads us to freedom and to power, to empowerment. And so because Peter and I had this little conversation, I started going to meetings and this is where my life started without the advocacy I wouldn't be where I'm at now and I'm so much better off than everyone else I know to be fair there are hundreds of cases that just Peter alone is dealing with where the NDIS is not working for them because it was done all wrong but because I had his support it was done right it's the way that it's working for me is the way that it's meant to work for everybody. And for most people, it is not working. We can't afford to be afraid. We must connect with people and just speak our truth. And it's through sharing our truths together that we actually get somewhere. What really, really ticks me off, and I want to use a swear word, is that the power is with the people. But because the people you're not uniting, the governments rule the world and they're doing it wrong. There's corruption in every government body. And, you know, there are some countries you can see it blaringly obvious. There are other countries where it's hidden behind closed doors. But it's in every country. And the reason that they rule is because the people stay silent. 
and we don't combine. People power is strong. So, um, yeah. So now also I've got the NDIS, but it's still my project, which I'm getting to, still wouldn't be happening without a wonderful company. And I will give a free shout out. Yes, please to, do. Um, really, uh, really campers. Um, Scott saw the need for camper vans for wheelchairs. And he has got the, I've never seen these vans uh, designed. So he's got the camper vans that seat seven, including two wheelchairs. It's got a TV, a little kitchenette. It's got um, a, ten, a, a, a queen size bed that sits at the roof. And then at night time, you fold the seats down and the bed comes down on top of the seats. And the disabled person has that queen size bed. There is a 10 man tent for everyone else. That is so brilliant. What a great it idea. Is brilliant. You can also, he also has a beach wheelchair, which you can use as well. Oh, how smart. Uh, he's the loveliest, loveliest man. They also have vans for the day. So if you want to take a day trip and you can also hire a driver and the, and drivers also are carers. So, um, and he also hires people from, so if you want to go on holiday, he'll hire a driver in the holiday destination so that the driver goes home at night. Yeah. You're not now having to pay the driver for his, for his accommodation. It's cheaper. What a fabulous um, so business model. I love that. He thought of everything and then um, they have the day vans as well. I've never seen this before. This is absolutely brilliant. So um, the, you just sort of drive into the back of the van in your wheelchair and the sides along the, the van are um, raised. So you can put things on it. There are still four seats. You've got the driver and passenger seat in the front. And then you've got two seats on either side um, in front of the wheelchair as well. Um, but the brilliant thing is that the wheelchair stays on the ramp and the hooks are on the same straps as, um, as the seat belts, right? They come out for a good four meters. Like they, ca- they come out a long way. You pull the hooks out and then hook them into the wheelchair. And then as the wheelchair goes up the ramp and into the car, they, they move in back in again with the wheelchair. It's so brilliant. No messing around for the poor person that has to hook the wheelchair in. It's so easy. And then they just, once you're in, they just come behind you and hook in the back and you're done. So quick and easy. Uh, I had, my son and I went on holiday in February just before the big pandemic. Good timing. <laughs> uh, I know so many that had to cancel or reschedule their. I know we went to Comic-Con. It was so much fun. Um, oh, that's but, awesome. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we, when we were told of certain locations of where we could go, um it turns out that some of those locations weren't what we thought they were and so we were getting in in and out of that van sometimes a lot on certain days and it was just so quick and easy um and david who is in partnership with scott he was our driver and he um it's just amazing just an amazing human being absolutely loved his company and it was wonderful for my son who's 21 and doesn't really have friends he doesn't you know he with the autism and with the pots and eds i ended up homeschooling him 
and so he doesn't really and he doesn't have siblings so it having david's company who is young, a young man himself was brilliant helpful for my son. yeah he really served so um yeah so now even with the ndis funding i wouldn't really have the means uh to tour a musical um if it weren't for the wheelie campers so right. uh, well done to them so uh yeah i'm currently in the process of doing three different musicals three very different projects and they're very so, special type of musical they they yes correct so um Originally, I had just written too many musicals so that if you perform one, having to mission perform the other one, you end up with a full-length show, but it's much quicker and easier to write the mini ones, of course. Um, and with those, um, one of them uh, is including in Indigenous community in a big way. Cool. So I've written my part and now I am corresponding with an indigenous performer who's going to write inject their culture and singing and dancing and everything into the the story so that it's complete um and i'm very very excited about that in fact my son grew up with indigenous children he never had any he's there were never any other kids to play with and it suited the autism the way that autistic kids play perfectly the way that black kids play it was it, it, they just it was really good and we became part of their family and community wow. and um, I really really appreciated that actually good for you so that was good. really cool well when I moved in here and I saw I had indigenous neighbors I knew I had to I knew that I'd need to make friends with them straight away um, because what people don't think about is that Queensland has a history of slavery the N-word was used here as well um, for a long time. Um, there's a lot of stuff in our own history that we're not being taught at schools. And whatever's being taught is uh, the way that white people want to teach. It. Exactly. So, um, we're just yeah. starting to learn more about things like that in our school curriculums as well. I'm glad finally right. the world is on board with let's be more aware of those bad things that used to happen in history. Exactly. It's good to know about everything. We can't shut ourselves away. It's impossible. It doesn't work no matter how hard you try. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it took two years of saying hello and smiling at them every time I walked past their house before they'd even start saying hello back. Uh, um, and then, yeah, it became, then I became auntie after a time and um, it, and it, it all went, ended very well and the kids grew up together. It was just wonderful. But um, so I'm very excited about that project. The other mini musical, um, actually, I don't know what you'd call it. There's no, there's no word at all, not sung or spoken. This one is kind of like those short films you see on YouTube uh, where it's just music and images. You're just watching something play out and it's the music that really gets you involved in the story and so I've got a live version of that and that's on healing from trauma it's almost like um, some watching um something at the CPO but with with images and with with a video it's what it sounds like yeah yeah it's like those animated those little animated films that they used to do for kids where you would just watch right. a kid go on a little journey or something with music in the background but the music um, was is written in a way to to 
take you on that journey with the character. Um, and that one came about because um, I had a lady from Syria. She fled Syria um, with her little girl. She fled her abusive mother, abusive husband, and what, everything going on in the country to Australia. And um, she had worked through her trauma and she'd done a lot of healing on her own and so she wanted to reach out to women here and she's uh, written her autobiography and asked me if I would write music for the book launch um, and that's how that music came about so her story is actually written in the music as you read the music and play it the story is actually written in so um, you can see what's happening as you're playing the music oh that's beautiful but so there's that one that was that one's going to be slow, very slow going because I've got to work with, you know, a lot of other people. Um, but that's slowly in the process, and we're applying for a grant to um, to do that. And um, then there's another one where I wanted to write a full length musical. It's my, my first full length musical on um, normalizing disability, normalizing all of these things that. Um, People are so used to seeing disability as something that um, is so different and as disabling. Yes. No, disability is disabling. Society is disabling yes. and people get it all wrong. So I'm currently working with um, a disabled writer uh, in writing that musical and it's. I wanted it to be sci-fi. Sci-fi musicals um, in the history of things have not done well. There's only been two that have done very well. Um, so I wanted to write a sci-fi one because I'm a huge sci-fi So here. fun, okay. so fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, where it wasn't because every other musical that has, that has disability in it is serious, like the one about bipolar, um, wife and mother has got bipolar and all those things. They're all serious. And I just wanted to take the seriousness out of it just to show everyone yeah. we're just people. And so we've got um, we've got this whole theme where the governments of the world have united uh, all of the you know uh, water and everything. I can't think of the word I'm after, but all of that stuff is limited. So they've decided to send all of the chronically ill and disabled people to the moon of this other planet and um, set them up there. Amazing. Um, and it's going to be really really. Fun as well because the science part of it is going to be there are aliens on this moon but nobody ever sees them they're really small and they're just going about their day um, doing things but they're intrigued with the technology that these humans have brought with them the aliens have a very different type of technology so the aliens they, all through the entire musical people never ever see the aliens they have no <laughs> idea there's aliens um, but what the aliens are doing as the comedy on the side is taking human um, technology and making something brand new with it um, and they're having a lot of fun. So you're just watching um, these little aliens have a whole heap of fun on the side while these human beings are getting used to the moon and getting used to being separated from their families. I, and I, in thinking about it, uh, a lot of different groups of people would relate to what this musical is, is saying, not just disabled people, but refugees and a whole heap of other people who are separated from their families, never to see them again, um, all because of governments and things like that. So um, 
I, I think the highlight for that was for the musical is showing people that we're not asking for much. Um, we just need small things. We, if there's just small changes in society, nothing huge, nothing um, expensive, just small things are sufficient. And then ironically, the pandemic happened and everyone's forced to live online. Everyone's forced to and live the adapt. way that we yep. have to all of the time. And I think this is amazing. The pandemic happened when I'm writing the musical to show everybody that it's not expensive and it's not hard. To that is divine intervention if, if I've ever heard this. it. That's amazing. I know. So that musical is currently, obviously that's going to take years as well, but the the current project, which I'm touring next year, is the one that, you, that you're that you alluding to. Um, so I've come up with a new format for musicals so that people of uh, any, with any limitation can be a lead character without destroying their health or their bodies. Um, uh, I'm very excited. I am too. I'm intrigued to hear more. (laughs) Okay. So basically, um, I have songs that I've written over the years, um, and they're all of a certain level because I didn't have any instructions. So I'm at this point now where I've, I've learned so much and this, and this goes right back to what we were talking about earlier and with what your husband is doing as well. Um, I had pain in all kinds of things playing piano and you're not supposed to. And looking back at my early photos, my teacher did not teach me how to sit at the piano correctly. I was too close and too low. So for starters, that's going to cause pain for anybody. Plus I have the EDS and the POTS. So um, I, over the years, through my 30s, I just worked at at finding a way of playing the piano that would work with my body instead of against it, which I did. And ironically, um, when you read up, because in Europe they teach music very differently, very, very differently. How you read it is different, how you play is different. And when I was reading up on these techniques, I realised that the technique I had devised to work with the EDS was actually how they do it in Europe. I thought that was very intriguing and I've been teaching my students that way ever since. But I also teach music. I don't teach an instrument. And this is another thing that I sort of want to get across as well. In the 90s, because I started teaching music when I was 16. So in the 90s, it was all about kids just wanting to play their favourite pop songs. They weren't interested in being musicians. They weren't interested in the language of music. They just wanted to bash out a few tunes on the piano. I don't teach that and I, I refuse all of those students um, because I teach uh, music itself and I say to them, I'm teaching you music. It doesn't matter what means you're, you're right. learning how to speak it. Uh, this is what I'm teaching you and I'm just it just so happens I'm teaching you how to play it on a piano or using your body because people always separate singers from musicians. No, well, our exactly. body is our instrument. We have yeah, it's, it's your no voice. <laughs> Um, well, the whole body, and that, that's another misnomer. I could go on about that too. Oh, I don't have a good voice. Everyone does have a good voice. It's yeah. not about the voice. <laughs> we all make sound. It all sounds good. 
um, it's about the rest of the body and utilising those muscles correctly. But, um, yeah, (laughs) so um, anyway, um, I'm now at a point after all of these years of figuring out how to play myself and figuring out how to compose um, where I've taken those songs and I have um, now gone over them and edited them and written them out um, properly and just done an arrangement that, you know, rearranged them and stuff so that they're done well. And I thought, look, let's just make a musical based on these. Um, most of them are more like rock okay. music theatre, you know, rock and music theatre. So I'm like, well, let's just do a rock musical. We'll just use these songs. And um, so what I ended up doing was writing a short story separate individual short stories based on each um you know yeah i thought i'd do six stories and then there'd be two songs per story this way you can have somebody with very little energy star and not tire themselves get to sing at least one correct now if they and all of the stories will then be written into a script as one big storyline um, so it'll still be a normal musical, but because it comes from six um, small stories, um, you've got flexibility depending on the cast. So the script is still the same, but you have flexibility nonetheless. So just say you've got somebody who um, really doesn't have much energy. They can be in one of the stories, they're off, and then they can rest, and they then they can be in the final you know, uh, what's the word I'm after when you've got that cast the number? Finale, in whatever I don't know. capacity they can be. Yeah, the, the, the cast number at the end. Um, even if that means they're just singing off stage into a microphone, or even if that means they're, you know, just sitting there yeah. with a prop, it, you know, if they don't have the energy to sing anymore. Um, or they may have the energy to be a lead character in that one part and then have a, have a half yes. an hour rest and then come back on best friend of the next person in that next story half an hour later so it doesn't matter then the best friend can be played by another lead character or it can be played by somebody else altogether who maybe doesn't even have the energy to be a lead character but they can come in and be a best friend so there's flexibility in you know depending on what cast you've got without Sarah that is brilliant I love it I was in musicals as a child and I just pushed through and pushed through. I did one at eight years old. I did one at, I think I was 12 or 13 and I did one at 16. And as I got older, it got harder and harder to keep up. So I would love to do it now, but I've always said, I don't have the stamina anymore. I can't stand on stage and deliver a monologue or whatever, you know, like that's just such a fantastic idea. And I'd like to see wheelchairs not stand out that if somebody sees a wheelchair on stage it's just that person's legs i i don't yeah. want these differences yeah. to stand out and the thing is there's always going to be something new that we're learning more about that will stand out so we need things that we've known about for years to not stand out anymore the thing is that wheelchairs do still stand out businesses say that they don't have any um uh any of the technology assistance technology for disabilities because they don't have any disabled clients so they don't need exactly. it exactly you don't have any disabled clients because it's not there 
because we're not coming to you. And I did an experiment one day. I was in Brisbane and I was in the Queen Street Mall. And I thought, okay, people say that they never see, you ask them, they don't, they reckon that they never see anybody in wheelchairs. That is extremely rare. A lot of people say they've never seen anyone in a wheelchair around them. So I was in the mall one day and I, for half an hour, I counted every wheelchair that I saw for half an hour and I saw 20. (laughs) Yeah. If you're looking for them, you'll find them. And that was just in half an hour. So uh, exactly, exactly. We see what we what we're used to seeing, and that's been proven time and time Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, I'm just so, so proud of you. Like that is a fabulous endeavor. I hope it comes to Canada one day. And that is that's amazing. Like I think it's such a smart idea to take your passion of music and your determination to just live life to its fullest, and you are in turn helping all of these people with with different disabilities in order to let them kind of achieve their dreams of always wanting to be in a musical and never thinking that they would be able to like that's just fabulous see two things on what you just said number one my mother mentioned to me how much better my health is this year and and i and why is it because i can live life yes mentally you are doing awesome yeah we get talked about by organizations like we are a burden on society but that's because what we wouldn't be if we were given the chance to participate in society so that's number one but um the other thing there was something else that came to mind with what you were saying and it's left my mind but anyway it's interesting um... (laughs) because I was actually asked to be on somebody else's podcast uh I think we're recording next week actually but they are like, Teddy, you have so much energy. You would never know that you're chronically ill. Like you're such a beautiful individual inside and out. I don't know how you do it. I want to interview you on how to thrive in chronic illness. And I'm sitting here thinking in my head, they could totally interview you as well. Like there are ways around <laughs> it when you just are, you have a different mindset and a different perspective. And when you're looking outward, you know what I mean? It's just such an amazing yeah, feeling. I- <laughs> sabotage themselves apart from what society you know holds us back um and so I've known people you can't make decisions and and hold back out of fear or just because they think things are taboo in society I'm like oh forget that um there's always a way um I got upset for a long time was upset that I wouldn't be able to um, audition for things I just wanted the same chance people thought I was wanting to be a diva no I just wanted the same chances to audition yeah. um, but then I'm like you know what there's always going to be another way and when it's the right time yeah. because I'm still facing a lot of things there's still a lot that I had to heal from internally but and I thought when it's the right time it'll happen and it has it's just happened um, everything's falling into place my tour manager is um, a singing student of mine He's been a dancer his entire life. Um, he's also a piano teacher. And he, um, I thought, well, I'll ask him if he wants to be the pianist for my show because it's touring next year um, in two states. And um, uh, he, he um, told me that he's actually a tour manager for a national dance company, so he wouldn't be able to as much as he wants to because it would clash with work. And I'm like, Really? you're kidding me you're kidding me you're a tour manager for a national dance company I need a tour manager 
the pandemic's on. You're out of work this year. Let's talk. Yes, exactly. Good timing. <laughs> no. Um, so when it's the right time, then it will all fall into place. We don't need to stress ourselves out. We don't need to worry. And this is what we do to ourselves. We make ourselves miserable because we don't understand that if it's not happening right now, then it's either not the right time and there's something else we need to address first to become ready or it's not the right method. It's okay to find another method and to do it differently. And I think people are afraid to be different. I'm not. I celebrate that. I hate being the same yes. as everyone yes. else. And it's really been the crux of my success. Sarah, you and are an inspiration. It has been so lovely to talk to you. Are there any parting words or any last little tidbits of wisdom that you would like to share with listeners? Yes. Delight in the small things. Yes. How beautiful is that? Be in the present moment. Be mindful and be grateful for those little things. Because it's the little things that make life fabulous. But just delight in them. Take... It, it, that is an, an active that's an active thing it's, it's not just taking going, oh, action in it yeah taking delight is an active interaction between you and a gorgeous tree or between you and whatever um I remember when I was 14 no I was 18 and I was staying at a friend's house for the week and her brother turned 14 during that week and they li- had property they're out in the country and I remember just um going out into the backyard and turning over logs and just watching the ants work. And her 14-year-old brother, still a kid, very sad, um, was like, Haven't, what are you doing? I'm just watching the ants work. Haven't you seen ants before? Yeah, lots. <laughs> and he didn't get it. And I find that very sad because that's taking delight in the simple things in life. And when you do that, you will find yourself quite enriched. That is so beautiful. Do you want people to be able to find you? How could people find you or find out more about the musicals or more about the funding that you get? Do you want to drop any websites or anything like that? Uh, Yes. So I have a Facebook page. um, So it's, um, I can send you the link. Do you want me to just say it now? You say it now and send me the link. Okay, so www.facebook.com forward slash Sarah Styles Music. Perfect. S-T-Y-L-E-S. Awesome. Well, I know I'm going to go follow that. I can't wait to uh, see your progress with this musicals and stuff. You are such a talented inspiration. It's been such a delight talking to you. Thank you very much. It's been lovely talking to you. And while I'm about to go make dinner, you're probably go about to have breakfast. So enjoy that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. All the best. Thank you. Thanks for listening, friends. Don't forget to leave us a review, share your favorite podcast episode with others, and spread the love. Have a great day and keep becoming your best self.